Psalm 90, and I'll, I'll read her 17 verses, and then we'll uh, focus in on this in the message in just a little bit. Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. You return mankind to the dust, saying, Return, descendants of Adam, for in your sight, a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. You end their lives, they sleep. They are like grass that grows in the morning. In the morning it sprouts and grows. By evening it withers and dries up. For we are consumed by your anger. We are terrified by your wrath. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days ebb away under your wrath. We end our years like a sigh. Our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger? Your wrath matches the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop hearts of wisdom. Lord, how long? Turn and have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love, so that we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. Make us rejoice for as many days as you have humbled us, for as many years as we have seen adversity. Let your work be seen by your servants and your splendor by their children. Let the favor of the Lord of our God be on us. Establish for us the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. All right. So what do you think of when someone says Labor Day? What runs through your mind? I told you what a pastor thinks about it. It's like, I think everybody's going to be gone on Labor Day. It's like, you know, Memorial Day, but... When I was a kid, I thought, well, last chance to have a day off, and Memorial Day is the first chance, beginning of the summer, end of the summer, and so we celebrate Labor Day. But probably very few people think of why we have Labor Day, except that it's to celebrate work. And yet it's a very important part of our lives. Most of us work, and it's, it's not a curse to work. If you go back to Genesis, the, the, having to work and have the sweat of your brow or the miserableness of your work, if you hate your job, that would be not good. But we're going to work in heaven. You know, it's going to be fun work. All of us enjoy doing good, profitable things. But Labor Day started in 1882 on this date, the uh, 5th of September. is the first time they had a big parade and celebrated work and the effectiveness of working with our hands. And I think it's appropriate. If you remember the very last verse that I read in Psalm 90, it says, Let the favor of the Lord be upon us. Establish for us the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. And so it's a celebration of the American worker. That's why we celebrate this day. So this is leading into why I'm going to bring this message is... 
A follow-up question would be, as we think about this Labor Day weekend being a celebration of our capacity, ability to work, um, the benefits of that work, the question would be, on Labor Day, what are you laboring for? What are you working for? And a follow-up question would be, and what will be the result of your work? What will be the result of your work? What are you working for, and what will, in time, be the result of your work? And I think that it matters because our days are numbered. It's the title of my message, When Your Days Are Numbered. This is not a threat. <laughs> when I say your days are numbered, it could be. <laughs> I'm not threatening you by saying your days are numbered. It is a reality. Your days are numbered. My days are numbered. And you think, well, how short is life? I, you know, we think, well, it's not that short. Shorter than you think. It's always, for every person, shorter than you think. Here's our text, central text. And really what I'm going to build out of Psalm 90 is kind of take this central verse in verse 12, and then we're going to look... Um, in front of that and, and past it a little bit. Psalm 90, verse 12, literally it says, so, so it's a kind of a conclusion, teach us. This is a prayer. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. This is the challenge we're given just a couple of weeks ago, Diane and I were traveling back uh, to Springfield, Missouri to meet her sister and brother-in-law and uh, Diane's mom, Mary, many of you have met her, was going to spend the winter, this next winter, last, she didn't have that luck last year because <laughs> we couldn't get her there, but she's going to spend the winter in a warmer climate. So we stopped off in Ottawa, Kansas. How many of you know where Ottawa, Kansas is? Okay, it's a, it's a small town in eastern Kansas. It's where Diane grew up. Uh, her dad was a medical doctor there, uh, probably 10,000 people. And we took Diane's mom, uh, her, also her brother Mark and uh, sister-in-law Kathy came with us, and we stood at the grave of Diane's dad and my mother-in-law's husband. And this is when this text just kind of started to grip me. That's why I'm preaching this today. So I'm, I'm standing there with Diane. I had helped my mother-in-law walk across the grass. You know, it's a beautiful cemetery. I don't know how often you go to cemeteries, but uh, and we don't go to this place very often. But it was, it was kind of a solemn time. And uh, so she's holding my arm, and we're walking up there, and we see this headstone that says Stralo. That's her last name. And on the one side, it says Dr. Chet. 1930-2017. And then I'm looking over here, it says, Mary, 1929-, and no date, but she's, she's right here next to me. And then I'm looking over here at the lawn where there is nothing, knowing that the rest of us have some plots there. But we came there just to remember Dad. 
And I look at, here, here you have a guy whose entire life, his entire life, all of his work, all that he did is summed up in that little dash between two dates. I thought, wow, that, that's, it's sobering. It's a very sobering reality. Because I re- even remember when he was telling us in the summer of 2016, they've said, I've got six months to live. I think, that's, that's no way. There's no way that can be. And it was less than that, I think, or about that. And he's gone. And I really miss him. Um, but I know that I'll see him again. But, but it, it's the reality. It's not a threat. It is the reality of this fact that, that life is fleeting by. So three words that I'd like to draw out of Psalm 90 to, for, as, as far as a challenge. Just a challenge to me that I'm just going to spill over to you. Three words. One, brevity. Two, eternity. And three, opportunity. And I'm going to show you each, each of these in this passage. The first one, brevity, is found in verse 10. Um, and, and we consider the brevity of life. I know none of us, especially those of us that are younger, I say those of us, <laughs> you kids probably not even thinking about this. Um, you know, when your body starts to creak, you get a little older, and uh, when kids start rolling their eyes, and, and uh, you realize, you know what, this is, this is kind of speeding up in time. And as I said, life is short, and it is always, always shorter than you think. So here's what verse 10 says, and I, I read it earlier, but let me just, here's what he says. Um, to me, it's a, it's, it's a profound statement. Our lives last 70 years. Normal life expectancy at that time, uh, or probably longer than normal at that time. And if we're strong, 80 years. And, and we could probably add on to that. If you're really strong, 90 years. We've got some like that here. <laughs> but even the best of them, of those years, are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly, and we fly away. So let's, let's put a little context to this. Number one, it's a psalm. As we said, we love the psalms because they're, they're prayers. They're, they're prayers, and we can really identify. Um, and it, it instructs our hearts as we pray uh, to God. Uh, they're often songs. This was the very first, if you take the Hebrew Psalter, the, their, their hymn book, this was the very first one. This was probably written... It was by Moses, probably written before the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, um, and probably after the book of Job. So Job was probably the most ancient writing. I know they're not in that order <laughs> as you read through the scriptures, but this, this goes way, way, way back. And uh, written by Moses, the man of God, and remember what Moses was really doing in context of, of Moses writing this, he is leading the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. It's kind of a picture of life out of the bondage in Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. And there's so many images here and pictures of life. And it was a bit of frustration for Moses. And he's actually making reference to the fact 
that and on, on this way there was unbelief among the people and many of them died in the wilderness. That's, that's in Numbers. In fact, it's very things we've been reading as you're reading through the scriptures. So he talks about generations. You know, this generation, this generation, this generation. And they pass. And that, you get that idea when you walk through a cemetery, you see these dates and dates and dates and dates. You know, this person, you know, it's like reading the genealogies, the most fun part of reading your Bible. <laughs> All these genealogies, they were born, they lived a life, they died. They were born, they lived a life, they died. They were born, they lived a life, they died. Da, 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 da. That's how fast it goes. That's how fast it goes. Time. Time, brevity. So this may be familiar to you in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Um, there is a time for everything, a season for everything. It says, there is an occasion for everything. This is uh, verse, first nine verses of Ecclesiastes 3. There, there's an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under the sun. A time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to avoid embracing, a time to search, and a time to count as lost, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Here's the last verse. What does the worker gain from his struggles? What does the worker labor gain from his struggles? James chapter 4 Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. So how is our life described as a vapor that vanishes away, the brevity of your life? Again, as I say, this is not a threat, but a reality. So the second word, we have brevity. The second word is eternity. And this is, to me, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, is verse 2 of Psalm 90. When we talk about we go from brevity, the shortness of our time, and then eternity. Psalm 90, verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. Wow. So there's several things that you pick up in that short verse. You know, one, God's eternal, but he is from eternity to eternity, and all of this is before the mountains were here, the earth was formed. God's eternal. My life is short. <laughs> Time is short. We have brevity here, but God is timeless. This is why we struggle with God often, because we, we see every problem, every difficulty in light of the context of a clicking talk, clock. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> I bet you I couldn't do that again. 
But everything is, is for us timed. With God, he doesn't operate that way. He's timeless. So I'm, I'm in a rush, in a hurry. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm like at the very end of this, he says, how long? God's not, he's not thinking in terms of this. God is timeless. Which means he's transcendent. He's self-existent. He's sovereign. And if you put all those together, God has a plan. And his plan is not on the clock. His plan is from eternity to eternity. That's how long he's known you. That's how long he's loved you. And that's how long he's been working for you. Quite a thought, isn't it? So you put this in the context of of me rushing around, working, doing things, spending my time, labor of my hands, flying by. God is eternal. And about his plan, one thing we, we, we know this, God's plan is always glorious. It's magnificent. God's plan, it wins in the end. With all of the failings and struggles and difficulties on earth, we know that his eternal plan is glorious. We also know it's good. With all the bad stuff going on around us, it's hard sometimes to look from our brevity to that fact of eternity. And his plan, first and foremost for you, is eternal life. You remember we're reading in Psalm 90 about the wrath of God and all this. It does, it gets unsettling until you realize that when Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and took upon himself the wrath of God for all sin, that's why we can move from that penalty and that sorrow to the joy that will follow. That's, that's and, and many of the Psalms work in that direction. So how does my time, okay, my time, my dash, your dash, fit into eternity? You know, that's a good question because I know that I, clock is ticking <laughs> and um, we have thoughts about the future and it's short, but yet I compare this dash, like on my father-in-law's gravestone, that to that. So, I know you're all wondering what's in the bag. So let's say this rope represents eternity. And... I throw it out there. Of course, this, this rope has an end. But this rope represents eternity. And this part is your life. Now, it's a lot more dramatic than what I'm showing you here. Because your life is probably a lot smaller and eternity goes forever. This is what we have 
here on earth. And this is what we have to look forward to. The decisions that I make, the work that I do here, affects everything. Whether I accept Christ as my Savior, believe upon him for the forgiveness of my sins, and then what do I do with my life? What do I do for my work? So I ask again, what are you working for? Because we're all working for something. You may not have stopped to think about it a whole lot, but we're all working for something. And then what will be the result of your work? Well, there'll, be, there'll become a time, there's going to come a time where it's done, you don't go back. So we go from brevity to eternity to thirdly, opportunity. And this is really the verse that I, I'd love to see you commit this to memory. <laughs> it's so good. So teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. The word so may not be in your Bible um, some translations put it in there, but it's really the idea based upon what we've already looked at, the brevity of my life and the eternality of God. So, so what are you going to do with that? What are you, you going to do with the fact that your life is short? It is fleeting by and God is eternal. So what? So teach us. This is what God wants to do. Teach us. This is why he's given us his word to teach us. It's why you hear from me all the time. Be in the word every day, every day, every day. Here's how he teaches you. His word and his spirit. If you've received Christ as your personal savior. You've believed upon him by faith. You have his spirit. And he guides you through his word and he teaches you what you need to know. So specifically, what are we being taught? Our hearts are being developed. So the heart is another word for your mind, will, and emotions. It's, it's the way you think. It, it's volitionally how you act. And even your feelings, God cares about your emotions. They're a little harder to get your hands on, aren't they? But all of this he cares about, so he wants to develop this heart into maturity, which is wisdom. Knowledge doesn't really do anything for us, folks. I've seen that in so many parts of life. What you know <laughs> makes so little difference in your life. It's what you're doing with the knowledge that you have. So when knowledge is rightly applied and obeyed, we have wisdom. So what wisdom does is helps me take this. It's not, I'm not gonna, as I say, we're not going to spend our time perfectly, <laughs> none of us. And if you're looking for a perfect example, don't look at me. Look above me to Jesus, okay? So 
but as much time I have. So apply my heart, be diligent to apply my heart to wisdom as he teaches me. This is the same admonition. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but many of you are reading through the New Testament this year. Remember we had that challenge or the Bible? And if you're reading through the New Testament, you're probably around 2 Corinthians. And here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not give up or we do not lose heart. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, it's, it's slowly decaying and perish, perishing, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Any of you get discouraged with the aches and pains of your body? Now, you kids don't because you're still superhuman. <laughs> but we get discouraged with the aches and pains of our bodies and everything decaying around us. So the outward person is in a constant state of decay. And I've got news for you, folks. It's not going to get better. You know, it gets to be a point where you think, you know, next year if I keep working on this, I think I can jump higher. I don't think so. It's <laughs> kind of like this curve. <laughs> so, but he says, don't get discouraged. Don't get weary. As you look about the decaying of your body and you look at the decaying of society, decaying of this world, decaying of everything here, because the inner person is being renewed day by day. How are we renewed? You go back to the Word of God, the Spirit of God. You keep an eternal perspective. You, you, you live your life in light of eternity. You develop wisdom. I'd like to read a story to you. It's, um, it's one that Jesus told. It's a great story. It's kind of one of those, like, wow. <laughs> the room gets really quiet after he, he says this, but found it in Luke 12, but in, in just to give a perspective on the stuff, okay, including your body, the stuff we struggle with and all the things we accumulate. This is Luke 12, 15. He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life does not consist of the abundance of of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. Love the story already, huh? We love to hear success stories. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do? Since I don't have anywhere to store my crops, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then he'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. <laughs> Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. Well, this sounds good so far, doesn't it? Some of us are thinking, man, I got to get into that retirement program. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you. You ever think about that when 
you know what, life couldn't be better. You got all the treasures in the world, all the successes, and you find out you've got six weeks to live. Very, a very sobering thing. Many of you have had family or been through that. This very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? In other words, you're not taking it with you. That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, what does this mean? I think there's, there's several things it does mean and some things it doesn't mean, and I'm not going to belabor this. But one, all life is worship. The work you do on earth is not less sacred than the work that I do. So I'm a pastor. I, I, I do this. It's not more sacred before God. Everything he has us do is sacred. Don't ever forget that. It's not more holy to be a missionary or to go to Africa. The holiest thing you can do is to work the job God has given to you with an eternal mindset. Does that make sense? You do it for his glory. You do it for his honor. You do it for his pleasure. And remember this, that God wants us to enjoy everything he's created, to go to the mountains, to fish and to ski, to go bowling, to have fun with our friends, to have great meals, to do all of that is he wants us to enjoy all of that. This isn't like I've got to live a, a monastic life. No. But it's your heart attitude. I do this with thanksgiving. I do this in light of eternity. And you realize this, that it's your motive and your perspective and your investment that no matter what you do, you, you keep that in mind. Because the only thing that's going to matter at the end are relationships. We're not going to be looking at the bank account, the property values, or your medals that you got in junior high, or the citations. Let me tell you this. We've buried two dads in the last couple of years, both of them very, very successful in their careers. My, my father-in-law, a doctor, and my dad was a, a captain in the Navy. And we have boxes and boxes of citations and awards. We just kind of thumb through. And the, and the truth is, no one really cares. No, I mean, it's, we do a little, you know, I mean, you see through that. But at the end, none of that matters. But the impact that they've had relationally is for eternity. You could take all my father-in-law had, you know, with his little dash, and it was in a closet. We, we, I've, I've shared that with you before. You opened up, and there's all dad's stuff. <laughs> but I think back the way he's impacted my life, the way he's impacted the lives of my kids, the way that all of these people, you see, souls and people are for eternity. Stuff is stuff. It gets buried. It turns to dust. It's going away. 
There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of things. It can be a snare to you. Nothing wrong with that. It's what you do with what you have. It's how you live. It's how you invest it. It's the people. I shared with you kind of this thing for Diane and me, a 40-year milestone, you know, and it's like, it's like really short. But I think what, what has meant the most to us? Relationships with God, with people. It's not about anything we did. Isaac Watts, great hymn writer, wrote a hymn, and you probably recognize this title, but not this verse. Oh God, our help in ages past. Anybody recognize that? Here's what one of the verses says. A thousand ages in thy sight are like an evening gone. Short is the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. Time, like an ever-rolling stream, bears all its suns away. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. So, Labor Day. Labor Day. For the Christian, we ask ourselves these questions. What are you working for? What are you laboring for? And what will be the result of your labors? I would say this, that time is short. The clock is ticking. I got it right that time. <laughs> but it's not too late. It's not too late. You know, I've got friends that I went to college with that make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. And sometimes in my moments, I'll think, oh, man, must be nice. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money and having several homes and all the things that, you know, nothing wrong with that. But I look at some of my friends and what it costs them because they worked and labored for that to the neglect of their relationship to God, their wife, and their kids. They've lost their marriages. They've lost their kids. They've lost their health. But I say to them, it's still not too late. It's not too late. Until you're buried and in the ground, your time is up. When you stand before the Lord, it's not too late. And so I encourage you at this time to commit your life to live for what matters. Enjoy your job, enjoy your house, enjoy your vacations, enjoy the, your things, but do it all for Jesus. Do it for him. Do it for eternity. Invest in the relationships that God has given you. Look at what lasts for eternity and hold everything else loosely. So back to the cemetery. I remember reading on one gravestone. I, I wrote it down, and it's actually a, it's from 2 Timothy 4 when Paul was talking about the end of his life. And on this tombstone, you know, you had the date, the date, the dash. And here's how it was described. A fight well fought, a race well run, a faith well kept, a crown well won. My prayer 
is that that, those are really from Paul, that would be what describes your dash. Your dash. That's what describes it. And I just want to encourage you to take heart because everything in the world is going to scream for you to be living another way. You know, standing there and looking at my father-in-law's dash with my holding my the arm of my mother-in-law, looking at the grass where someday I'll probably be. It made me think, Lord, help me live every day in light of eternity. Father in heaven, we're so grateful for the challenges you give us. In this Labor Day, where we celebrate work,